Wow, it's great to be here. What an amazing atmosphere. Just really thank you guys. And I just honor you for your sacrifice to bring the presence of God into this house. What an amazing gift we have. I just felt during that time of worship, the presence of the Lord just seemed so heavy and so real. And I'd just like us, before we start, I I was going to do this at the end, but I think we may do it then as well. But just right now where we are, can we put our hand on our heart and just close our eyes and just re-surrender your life to the Lord? Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. Lord, we give you our heart. We surrender our heart to you. All the parts of our heart that we, that maybe have been hurt, the parts that we don't even know are there, we surrender to you. We surrender to Jesus the one that has paid the price for us. We surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit that does the deep work in our heart that brings those things that were broken and his promises that he will make those things out of something that was broken Out of something that was broken, he says he'll work it together for good. So what was a test and a pain and a hurt becomes part of our testimony. Lord, and I ask for courage for every person here this morning. Courage to be able to face the deep things that are in our heart, the hurts, the hereditary things that have come from family, the places of brokenness that are still unhealed, the courage to face those things, to bring them to the cross and allow Jesus to do that deep work in us. And if that's your prayer, even for the first time this morning, Lord, I just say welcome. Welcome. And if it's something that you're just doing to a deeper level this morning, I just encourage you, engage in the journey of the heart. Engage in walking out your salvation. It's not not promised to be easy, but his promise is he'll be with us, whatever you're going through. The Lord bless you. And I've been reading recently in the Passion Translation, and I was reading along in Luke 7, you know, familiar passage. And I I read um, in verse uh, 26 and 27, and I can remember just stopping and thinking, oh, my goodness, this is so good. So I want to read to you a scripture and uh, um, out of the Passion Translation, and this is Jesus, and he's talking about um, John the Baptizer. And this is the scripture. See, I am sending my prophetic messenger who will go ahead of me and prepare hearts to receive me. 
And that word prophetic uh, messenger just really stuck to my heart. And those words to prepare hearts to receive Jesus. And so I thought, wow, what does that mean to prepare hearts for, uh, for the, to receive Jesus? What does that mean to prepare hearts for revival? You know, what does it mean? And I, I've just been pondering that, and I've just been praying into it. And I believe this preparation work of preparing hearts is not just for the leadership. It's not just for the pastors. It's for all of us. It's a kingdom work. Amen? And so we need to really get hold of this because revival is coming, eh? I mean, it's here. And hearts need to be prepared to receive what God is pouring out. And I think a good illustration of why that's necessary, that preparation of heart for the receiving of the word of God, for receiving of that presence of God, I think a great illustration of that is found in Luke 8 and verses 4 through 15. And so Pete's going to read that. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow, sow his seed. As he, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because there was no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil and came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than that was sown. And when he had said this, he called out, Whoever has ears, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others he spoke in parables, so that those seeing they may not see though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not be believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but have not no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, and as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those of a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop so you know that's a very agricultural picture and I remember when we were brought up in Taranaki underneath the mountain underneath Mount Egmont my dad bought 400 acres and half of it was native bush it had been logged but it was solid native bush and the rest was sort of partially broken in. It was a, basically a sheep farm, but had no fences as such except the boundary fences. And my dad wanted to convert it into a dairy farm. So he set to work. There were stumps and there were you know, creeks and blackberry and thistles and ragwort and goats and 
all sorts of stuff that he had to carve a dairy farm out of this rough block of land. And I remember as kids, we'd go with him and, you know, there were the, the stumps were still there, even though the trees had been logged, the stumps were there and stumps and paddocks are not a good idea. And so he would set to try and pull them out with a tractor and uh, usually that didn't work that well. So he would had a box of dynamite and we loved that. So he would have his crowbar and he'd make several holes from several angles to um, poke this dynamite down and then he would weave the, the cordex through the dynamite onto the little detonator and he'd crimp it with his tooth and then shove it down into the dynamite and then put the cordex up to another little fuse so all of these different sticks were had to go off at the same time. And then they said, oh, we better go and move back a bit. And he'd light the fuse and we'd go and hide behind the tractor or something. And this thing would go and the stump would fly up in the air and, and you know, we, we thought it was great. And there was bits of root flying everywhere and you just never know where it was going to go. And um, that was pretty exciting for us. But, you know, the, the clearing of the land is, is very similar to the work that we have to do on our heart. He says, guard your heart with all diligence. For what? Out of it come the issues of life. You know, our Western thinking is often that it's the head. We'll just discipline our mind. We'll just plow through with a strong will. But who knows that if there's an argument from the heart to the head, which one will win? The heart every time. You know, we may be strong-willed enough to be able to determine that our will will prevail for a while, but if there's an incongruency between the heart and the head, the heart will win because that's where our belief comes from, it's where our forgiveness comes from, it's where our forgiving comes from. All of the issues that are really important come from the heart. And so it's to the heart we have to go to bring healing and resolve to issues that are still often plaguing us in our Christian life. And it's like those stumps that are there and often we can see them, but the thing about stumps is the stump will rot, but at ground level, it stops rotting. And often, I didn't know that till recently, but the roots underneath, if there's no air to them, they will stay totally intact. That's part of what I do now. I, I log um, matai native timbers from the local rivers with, through the regional council. And um, we look for stump, a little bit sticking out. And sometimes a little bit of the log might be evident. And if it's under the water or under the stones, it is totally preserved. It's as sound as the day that it went in there. And that could be 200 years ago. So we find these things, it's, it's like treasure under the ground, it's amazing. And we find these things, we found a couple a few weeks ago and they, just the butt end of the log was seven ton. It was huge and totally sound as a bell. And so that's 
it's, it's an analogy of what happens in our heart until it comes to the light. If it's in secrecy and in darkness, if it's in there, it's totally preserved. It's still alive. It's still got some power to it. And so that's the healing of the heart is so essential. It, to bring those things to the cross, those hidden things, those shame things, those things that we've, no one else knows about. So that's the journey that we're on. And so one of the things that Pete told me when you were, um, you were out in the fields on the tractor at 10 years old. Mm. Yeah, that was one of my first paid jobs. 10 cents an hour, <laughs> driving a tractor with a big set of discs on the back, round and round this paddock all day. And then it was called, well, some of you guys would know what giant discs are. They're a big disc and you set them and they, they really work the ground up and you set the angle of the disc and it chews it up pretty um, vigorously. And the, the next set is the tandem discs. Go behind that, which is a bit finer. The, the reason why Dad used discs, I think, a plough, because of the roots that were under the ground, you know, if you hit a stump or part of a stump with a plough, you're likely to either come to a dead screeching halt or you'd snap the end of the plough, the, the, the fork of the plough off. So it was really important to get those stumps out. But I would drive round and round this paddock, no cab, just, and the dust would follow you one way and you'd be like a little dark boy at the end of the day. <laughs> but you'd round around the paddock and just to, and then on the, once you got to the center, you would do a, you'd go from corner to corner and so everything was done 10 cents an hour, $1 a day for 10 hours. <laughs> that was my first paid job. <laughs> and you didn't get rich, did no. you? <laughs> but it's a good illustration that sometimes the preparation uh, takes a while. It's not always easy. And I guess the question is, how do we as prophetic uh, messengers prepare hearts to receive? And you know, so many of us, even on a Sunday morning, you know, we hear the message, it's a good message, and, and we want to change, you, we, we want to receive it. But sometimes on Monday morning, maybe Tuesday morning, the cares of the world, or anxieties, or busyness, or you know, what's going on in our life, uh, the troubles, you know, it tends to choke out the Word of God. And pretty soon, that, that that feeling, that confidence, that, that love that we felt on Sunday morning, it leaks out, right? And I know sometimes people, and I pay attention, I take notes, but sometimes people will say, well, how was church? And I say, well, it was great, it was wonderful. And they say, um, well, what did the pastor speak on? And I said, um, I can't remember. You know, I didn't retain it at all. And I go, oh my gosh, where was I in that service, right? We are so privileged in this house to have Apostle Mike and Joy, to have mm -hmm. David and Kate, right? Yes. Amen. Yes. But you know, they can present a message to us every week and it can be wonderful, anointed, powerful, but it depends on the condition of our heart whether or not we receive it and retain it and walk in it to the degree that it will begin to produce fruit, amen? And so we need to, to look at the condition of our heart and to consider that. 
And you know what? In that parable, the hearts that could receive the word of God and retain it and produce fruit from it, fruit that glorifies God, those hearts were called good and noble. Isn't that amazing? And so I think part of the work that we do is to restore nobility, to restore noble hearts, good hearts, mm. so that people can walk in who they really are. And I think a part of that really is to understand the nobility of the one who created us, how good and noble God really is. And you know what the most amazing thing is? We were created in his image. We are like him, amen? And so we are called to manifest that nobility and that goodness in the world. And when I was a new Christian, someone told me, Sandy, you are the only Bible that some people will ever read, hmm. right? Some people won't open up the scripture and read about who God is. You're the manifestation of that. They will come to understand God by the way that they see you live out your life, right? And so we need to begin to walk in that goodness, in, in that nobility that we were created for. You know, when we said yes to him, yes, I want to follow you. Yes, I want to be like you. He gave us a brand new heart. Amen? Yes. A brand new heart, a good heart, a noble heart. And sometimes we fall over with Jeremiah 17, 9, you know, that talks about the heart and it's wicked and deceitful and evil above all else, right? But actually, that's the unredeemed heart. Ezekiel 36 tells us that God takes out that heart, right? And he gives us a new heart. And it's a heart of flesh. It's a soft heart. It's a ready heart. It's an eager heart. It is a good heart. And it is a noble heart. And if we believe that our heart is evil and wicked and deceitful, that's what we will, that's the kind of fruit we will produce. Right? But if we know with certainty, oh my gosh, I've been given a new heart. I am a new creature. I am a new man. I am a new woman. I am like my dad. We will begin to manifest his goodness and his nobility. And that's what people are drawn to. Amen? That's the best form of evangelism ever is when people see Christ in us, the hope of glory. And they say, man, I want that. I want that. This is such a key for us to really understand that God has given us a new heart, a soft heart. He's taken out of us that heart of stone, and he's given us a heart of flesh. But we need to learn oftentimes how to walk in that newness and how to deal with the birds of the air, the, you know, the sun that scorches, and some of those weeds. Yeah. Some... <laughs> Sometimes uh, the stumps or the roots under the ground can look a little bit like, you know, how we see God and our perspective on what we think God really is like. And that will be determined often. Sorry, we don't need that anymore. How do you turn that off? Okay, we're good? Okay. And, you know, how we see God is so important. And often it's reflected by how mum and dad were. You know, how, they, how we related to them and what they were like. Often through Elijah House, we get people coming. And one of the first questions often is, 
how were things with mum and dad? And often the root of a lot of brokenness in our life, a lot of roots and stumps that are still sticking up and giving us problem, are issues to do with mum and dad. How we related to them, how they treated us. You know, we live in a world where dad is absent often. He just wasn't there. And if he was there, he was angry, distant, cold, often abusive. You know, so we, we come with these images of what dad is like. Was he controlling, manipulative? Was he loving and gentle, kind-hearted, approachable? Could you dialogue with your dad? He, the Lord says, come, let us reason together. Ephesians 6 says, obey your mum and dad. But then he says, so what's the scripture? Um, sorry, I lost that one. He says, don't provoke your children to anger. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. And I believe that's, that's a huge thing where we, we often come and think God is an angry God and he's sort of got a big stick and if we don't do it right, he's going to whop us one. But that's so far from where, what the Lord is. The Lord sent Jesus the best that he had to die in our place. And it says, how much more will he give us everything that pertains to life, that we might have all that we need to represent Jesus well. So sometimes our image of God needs to change. You know, he wants dialogue. He wants us to be able to talk to him, to appeal to him. Jesus appealed to his father. Moses appealed to, to God. All through the Bible you see that his people were always appealing to God. There was a place where a son should be able to go to his dad and say, Hey dad, why did you do this? You know, maybe not as a five-year-old, but certainly as a teenager or before that, a child must, should be able to go to his dad and say, Dad, you know, can we talk about this? You've said... I shouldn't do this, but can we talk about it? Particularly as we come into, you know, our teens and latter teens, you know, if the, if the father is tra training up the child to come into the same business, you know, he wants him to learn about the business. So that young person needs to be able to ask questions. Why did you do this? Why did you make this decision? And our father in heaven is no different. He wants us to learn of him. That's why he says, come, let us reason together. So our image of God is often a really big hurdle to get over. Because if we think he is, you know, just an angry God or simmering in anger underneath, our behavior will be always, well, I just got to do the, do the right thing, but our heart is not connected to it. See, it is all about the heart and the motives of the heart. That's what he wants to get to. What's really going on in here? We can put on whatever face we like when we come in here, and we might have the fine face going on, but what's going on in here? What's the reality when no one sees, when no one else is around, 
What is the reality of your life? The Lord knows that. He knows what that reality is. And often he wants us to, to get a clear picture of it so that we'll be courageous enough to bring it to the cross and bring it, you know, have others come with us. You know, we may need someone else to help us because we are corporate. The Kiwi deal of the self-made man, the rugged individual, sorry, it's crap. But it affects us. It really does affect us. You know, in my day, it was rugby, racing, and beer. Today, it's porn, pee, and the PlayStation games, and a lot worse. It affects us. That stuff affects us. And even more so, we need to understand the battle that we're in. It's not a cakewalk. There's a real enemy that wants to destroy us. And we have to build, cultivate the ground of our heart, put fences around it that will both guard what comes in and what can get out. It's really important, guys, that we guard our heart. A lot of us as men, we don't really understand our heart that well. I don't even know if we know that we've got one. True. We know we've got a, a, a blood pump, but the heart of the seat of who we are and what we are, we often aren't that in touch with it. But we need to be. I remember uh, at my dad's funeral, Mike and Joy were there, and I hadn't grieved my dad when he died. And we were carrying him out out of the church uh, as a pallbearer, and I passed Mike, and he just reached his hand out and touched my hand. And it just burst the floodgates of the grief that was bottled up. I really thank you and honor you for that. Because it just it allowed me to get in touch with the grief that was there. So often we stuff it down and we do all sorts of stuff not to not to show our manliness, but God wants us to, our heart to be real, to be honest with our kids and with our, the people around us. But it just doesn't happen as, oh, well, maybe it'll happen if God wants it to happen. We've got to be intentional. We've got to plow the ground of our heart. And that's why I believe there's a, a place for us to prepare that ground to receive the seed of God's word, the working of his Holy Spirit, that we might represent him well, that we might come into all of the works that he's predestined for us to walk in. It just isn't going to happen. We'd be, we're co-workers, co-laborers with him. And it's that joint agreement. He will not violate your free will. If you resist that, he will not override that. Your free will has to be submitted and surrendered to him to allow him to come into that. You know, often that's, that's part of the, the wrestling of finding out who God is. 
He loves us intentionally and passionately, but he will not violate your choice. And that's huge. And that's why your choice, as we submit it to God and come into agreement with his plan, that makes a majority. That makes a powerful entity when you are in agreement with him and his word and his purposes. And that's the whole deal of surrender is say, Lord, not my will, your will. As we surrender our will, he has the best life for you. The absolutely best kind of life you could ever have, but often we resist him and we, ah, I just want to do it my way, God. Will you bless my way? Nah. But if we would only realize his way is the absolute best. One illustration that I think makes that really clear, and, and our culture does not embrace this, but the Jewish culture does, is when, and you guys, young, young people, when you come to get married, engage your parents in that process. Because we think we know best. We find, we find a hot young lady and think, oh, she's the one. <laughs> Who knows, the heat goes out of it fairly quick. Or it can. And then what do you got? The Jewish people, they see the compatibility. The fathers, who's going to, what father is going to give his son a dud? But we think we know better. And that's why we do it all our, on our own and we fall on our face with it. But Jewish parents understand something that we don't. That, you know, they see the compatibility, they see the value systems in a, a, between a, a young man and a young woman. All of the things that are supportive and the family background and dynamics that all come together, that hold marriages together. And the Jewish marriages, their statistics are way better than anything else. They've got a key that we need. So I encourage you young, young people, Engage your parents in the process when you find somebody you think is going to be your life partner. Consult them. Talk to them. Don't think you know it all just because your heart's pounding 100 miles an hour. That will dissipate, I'm, I assure you. <laughs> Even though I love my wife more now than when I first met her, you know, something goes deeper than wider. And so we need, to, we need, you know, the wisdom of our parents. We need the wisdom of the corporate body to walk this journey of the heart. We cannot do it on our own. We're not designed to do it on our own. We need each other. And that is part of preparing the hearts is simply journeying with each other, you know, walking with each other, no matter how broken we are. And, you know, we've been in drought for a long time where we live, our, our grass is like brown, right? 
and we've been praying for rain and we had a little bit of rain and it's amazing how just a little bit of rain can begin to soften the soil and I went out and I did some work in the gardens and it felt so good because before that I'd go out and seriously you know my hoe would bounce up off the ground it was so hard but that little bit of rain really helped, right, to prepare the ground. And if you look around us, we have so many signs in the natural around us. You know, the, the big um, farming implements that are preparing the soil right now. Well, gosh, on the way here, I think we passed four of them. Big things, they're huge, right? But they're preparing the soil, even though there's drought. They're preparing the soil. And every good farmer knows that it's a seasonal thing, knows that, you know what, you have to, it's not just a one-time thing. You have to stay in that process if you want to crop. <clears throat> and that's the way it is for you and I. We journey with each other. We love each other to life, right? We help each other in the places where there's roots or there's stumps or there's blockages. <clears throat> I read a book, it's a wonderful book by Gregory Boyle, and it's Tattoos on the Heart. And he tells the story of a woman who had two sons, grown sons, and both of her sons um, were in the gang. And it's, this is in L.A. in the States. And one, her one son was killed by gang members. And her other son left the gang and went into the military. But she grieved. She didn't put on makeup. She barely left the house. Her heart was broken. She just could hardly even choose to live. But after a period of time, she started coming up out of her grief and just embracing life again. She started to wear makeup. And, um, you know, she was just happy again. And her son had come home on leave, and he was sitting out on the front porch. And uh, a car went by, it was full of gang members who uh, recognized him as someone who had left, and they shot and killed him. And Gregory got the news late, he, was, he had other commitments, and he said, by the time I got, home, got to the home, the woman was sitting in the corner sobbing into a bath towel. And he said, forget tissues, forget Kleenexes, she was sobbing into a bath towel. And he said... I found my, my arms too short to wrap around this kind of pain. And I went, well, I said, Lord, give me arms that can reach out. Lord, give me a heart. Increase my capacity to love. Increase my capacity to walk alongside people and not give up. Increase my capacity, Father, to help people on their journey. And I'm wondering if that can be our heart, our cry today, our heart today. You know, even as you greet somebody when they come in or you say hello to the person next to you, that's part of expressing God's love. Amen? Every one of us is part of this. We need everyone to prepare the hearts of the people around us, to love them, to uh, encourage them, to strengthen them in their journey. We've been in Elijah House, and we've been helping people to recognize inner vows and those determinations that we make, you know, to protect ourselves when we're little. I won't trust. I won't cry. I'll be strong. I won't let anybody hurt me that way again. I won't be vulnerable. And all of those inner vows are part of 
the stones and the rocks and all of those things that keep us from receiving the Word of God. And sometimes it's foundational lies, things that we believed about ourselves. Now, I've known some of you for a while, and I've heard prophetic words that have come over you. But when I look at people in the Spirit, sometimes I can see those prophetic words that they haven't had a place to light, that they're still kind of circling around because there isn't a shelf for them. There isn't a place, there isn't a resting place in our heart to receive what God has spoken. And our prayer for you today is that you would agree with us and we would say, Lord, prepare our hearts. Begin the work in us so that we can help other people along the way. Lord, whatever is hardened in me. Lord, whatever lies I've believed about myself so when the truth comes in, I can't even receive it. It just bounces out. Lord, would you heal me in any place where I leak that when the word and the truth comes in that I can retain it for a while, but then I forget it and I can't walk in it. Can we just go into a place of prayer and just put your hands on your heart again? And Holy Spirit, we want to know you more. We thank you, God, for the worship that prepared our hearts even today to receive your word. And Father, we want more of you. We want to be your sons and daughters who express you well and manifest you well and represent you well. Father, we give you permission today to to help us to understand the condition of our heart. Every good farmer knows the condition of the soil. So, Father, would you help us to be honest with that? And Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you show us where the rocks are? Father, would you show us the birds of the air that come and try and steal the seeds? Would you show us, Lord, what is so hardened in our heart that even the word bounces out and we can't retain it? Lord, we pray we give you permission to come, to brood over the soil, to bring the rain of your presence, and to cause the seeds that we have heard to grow and to produce fruit a thousandfold, fruit that will give you glory. And there might be someone in this room and you've never had that great exchange. You haven't um, invited Christ into your heart to receive this new heart that he has for you, this good and noble heart. And if today you want to make that decision, we encourage you to come up after the service. We're going to have a ministry team up here, and we would love to pray with you. And all you have to say is, you know what, I want that new heart that Sandy was talking about. I want that soft heart. And some of you have known Christ for a long time, but you realize, you know what, my heart has become hardened. And I want a soft heart. I want a fresh work of the Holy Spirit. And so ministry team, if you'll come up and we'll pray for you and ask for the, for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to come and do whatever work is necessary to soften up that heart so that we can produce fruit that is glorifying our Father in heaven. Father, we just thank you now for your presence. And Father, we pray that you would draw forward those who said, yeah, my heart is a bit hard. I want a touch of your spirit.
I want, Lord, even in the presence of my brothers and sisters to say, yeah, my heart has become hardened. I want more. I want more. If that's you, come forward. If this is the first time that you've asked for the great exchange, I encourage you to come forward. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Come forward now as, as the worship team begins to worship. Just come forward and we'll pray for you. I just want to encourage you this morning that you know, David was known as a man after God's own heart. And it wasn't the absence of mistakes. There were plenty. But David, the difference that set him apart was that his heart was passionate for Jesus, always. Passionate for the Lord. When he, when he sinned with Bathsheba, he was on his face for six days in repentance. But then he could dance before the ark and cartwheels and he was passionate for Jesus. And always, always, always he looked to the Lord for his source, except once. Whenever there was trouble, he would go to the Lord first. I encourage you, ask for that sort of heart. Say, Lord, I need that heart. I need the heart of David. Each of us knows what's going on in here, mostly. I encourage you to come. Even it's just say, Lord, I want to re-surrender my heart to you. I want that heart like David's that would depend on you 100%. If that's you this morning, won't you come? <laughs> won't you make your way to the front? There'll be people here to pray with you. Uh, just even disclosing it breaks the power of what's pressured your life. And so I encourage you to come and stand and just say, God, I'm believing God for a breakthrough in this area. Why don't we stand now? Let's just begin to worship the Lord and fly back into the song. Let's lift the name of Jesus. Let's give Him on again. Honor to Him. All oh, hail the name of Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. All hail King Jesus. We love you, Lord. You empower us to overcome every difficulty in life. You have made us kings to conquer. Today we thank you for your spirit in our life. We honor you, Jesus.
Father, we honor you. We thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your presence in our midst. Thank you for the miracles taking place in hearts and lives. We thank you, Lord, for your word coming to us today. Let it reside in our heart. Let our hearts be hearts that are good and noble, that receiving your word, embrace it, meditate on it, and look how to apply it into our life. So we bring forth good fruit. Lord, we give you the honor. Father, I pray blessing on every family here. I bless the families, the marriages, the children. Father, we pray favor to grow on every family in the community in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Please stay on if you're a visitor. Have a cup of coffee, free cup of coffee down the back over there. Meet some people, meet some staff. God bless you. Great to have you all with us today again. And we see you again next week.